0: Welcome to On The Other Side, where we talk crypto culture and society and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Every week we have on cool people from the crypto world to talk about what they're building and what the implications of that might be for real human beings. Before we hop into the show, I want to give a quick thank you to Rabbit Hole for sponsoring On The Other Side. Rabbit Hole is allowing users to earn crypto while they explore the weird world of Web3 guiding new users down the crypto rabbit hole in a curated way to make sure that people coming into the space are not only using positive sum protocols, but are also starting to build their on-chain resume as they do it. So the longer term vision for rabbit hole is building essentially the open credentialing system for Web3. To build that credentialing system, it's important that they're decentralized. And so the Pathfinder program is paving the way for decentralizing Rabbit Hole and creating an open system built by the community, not by a single team. If you're interested in learning more about Rabbit Hole, check out rabbit hole at rabbit hole dot gg. You can also check them out on Twitter, rabbit hole underscore gg. All right, let's hop into the show. I am here with Yancey from MetaLabel. I'm so excited to chat today. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: What's up, Chase? Longtime listener, first time caller.
0: I feel like this has been quite a long time coming, and I am beyond excited to talk about some of the things that you are working on. Before we dive into that, do you want to give a little bit of background on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole?
1: Yeah, totally. I grew up on a farm in Southwest Virginia and my whole life I dreamed of the wider world and I loved music and culture. And my first career was in New York working as a music critic and starting my own record label and just being involved in interesting projects. That turned into starting Kickstarter and leading that ultimately as a CEO. And then I stepped away from Kickstarter in 2017 and And when I did, I had a project in the back of my mind of trying to understand better the system of value that we live within. One of the major projects that happened while I was CEO as as Kickstarter was we became a public benefit corporation. And we rewrote our legal charter to say that we should be held responsible not just for maximizing the financial value of Kickstarter, which is what for-profit companies are assumed to, to do, but also we were taking on all these other commitments. And that process had made me think a lot about how is it that financial value has become so predominant as the main value driver in society? And it occurred to me that societies used to be operated by values, plural, like the humanities version of the word, which is about the goodness of things. You know, it's trying to understand what's beautiful or what's moral or what's right or what's wrong. And that over time, those philosophies have been replaced by a singular notion of value expressed in economics and and in financial terms. And I spent two years researching that topic and writing a book about it called This Could Be Our Future. And it was during that process of thinking about really how do you move values, those humanities concepts, those softer concepts, how do you move them across the spectrum to more like a hard value, to something that a group of people in a boardroom could look at and say, oh, this decision will be harmful. In these various ways, and and we can demonstrably prove that and understand that, and that that led me to think a lot about and really get interested in crypto, because crypto I saw was a place where, because it was programmable money, because it was made to measure and and look at on-chain assets, um, that here was an opportunity to define values numerically, to to express them in a new medium, to to build systems that respond to inputs and desired uh, outputs beyond just like, what is the growth rate or what is the financial take of a system? And so that led me just to became very curious and to start reading about it, just sort of being a lurker. And then I would say, you know, it it got deeper for me about two years ago after the pandemic, um, just culturally being interested in what was happening, helping digital artist friends getting into NFTs. And I'd say for the past nine months, working on Label and, and other projects, it's been pretty much my full time uh, is lurking in the world of Web3 and trying to sort out signal from noise and trying to generate my own ideas about what I think is important. And I've really loved the experience. You've, you've been someone who's helped me on that journey. Peter Pan is someone that's been very helpful to me on that journey. A lot of folks I've, I've been fortunate to be advised by. And um, yeah, I, I I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, we are very lucky to have you in this space and I'm very grateful to have met you because the way that you think about a lot of these things blows my mind every time I think about them. Like it's not just one time, it's consistently approaching a lot of the way that we're building in crypto from this perspective that feels so human and grounded, which I really, really love. And label, which I'm very excited to talk about, is one of those things that right before we started recording, I was telling you, conceptually and as I, I tried to think about it in practice, I'm like, oh, yes, this makes sense. And then you, you bring in other elements that I hadn't even considered and my mind just kind of explodes. So I am so excited to talk about label and what you're working on and thinking about there. Do you want to give a little bit of backstory on how that specific concept came about?
1: I would love to. So uh about a year ago, I hit a creative wall. At the time, I was I had a podcast writing newsletters. I had a community I'd started and was leading. I, I read a couple of book projects I was working on. And there was one day I was sitting exactly where I'm sitting right now, and I was just so over it. I I just I was being pulled in so many different directions, so many different contexts, and I I really hated the experience. And right at that moment of feeling real despair, I just had this thought pop into my mind. Um, And it was inspired by a book I was reading at the time called Our Band Could Be Your Life, which is a book about the history of indie rock and hard rock in America in the 1980s. And I've read the book many times and The book tells how independent music started in this really entrepreneurial way of small groups of people starting bands, starting labels, starting scenes, where they're just expressing whatever their weird vision is of what music should sound like. And what really supported these scenes were these labels, where a person or a small group of people would create a lightweight business entity. They would start putting out records by people in the scene. They would sign artists who were in the scene. Uh, they would promote the wider genre they're a part of. They just did all these different functions in support of like punk rock or hardcore, really esoteric kind of forms of music. And, and when I thought about those labels, you know, it occurred to me that like a, a punk label performed so many different functions. They signed bands, put people on tour, figure out all sorts of boring back office stuff. But everything they do has the same end goal. It's all manifesting more punkness in the world. Like there's, a, there's an output, there's a cultural output that results from everything they do. And so when I like looked at these projects that were filling me with so much dread, it occurred to me that while they existed in a lot of different contexts, I was collaborating with a lot of different people. They were kind of all over the place in one way. If I looked at them another way, all these projects were doing the same thing. Every single one of these projects was about exploring this concept of value. Every one of these projects was touching the notion of how we define the self. And I suddenly realized that actually, maybe I'm a label. Maybe I'm a label. And and when I saw my work as like a catalog, it it totally changed my relationship to it. I went from feeling overwhelmed by how much was on my plate to feeling excited and energized because because I could see how these things connected. And I, I suddenly felt the freedom to not do everything at once, you know, to think, okay, well, I want to just focus on my next release. Or it it allowed me to think about projects that because I'd started in the past, I had assumed that they needed to go on in perpetuity or they would be a failure. Instead, when I thought of them as a label, I thought, well, I released that, but I go on and release other things. I don't have to support something forever. There's a point at which that can stop and it's okay. And so this whole framing gave me a A difference is a permission, and a different understanding of what I was doing. And I, I quickly took those lessons and and questions and started bringing them to people I really admire and people who I look to for guidance. And just sort of said, "Hey, I'm having this strange idea. Can I like pass this, you know, pass this to you?" And in those conversations, over and over, had people respond that. This really opened their eyes. This really changed how they saw their work. They they thought it was really interesting. They wanted to talk more about it. They had ideas for other projects that they thought fit this lens. And that that journey, you know, led to me really re-examining what a label is. You know, there's a record label as a concept. I know I've I've started one before, but I hadn't really thought about like, what is it um, if you abstract it away from, say, the music industry. And this ultimately led me to, to believe that there is a structure, a, a hyperstructure, to use uh, to use Jacob from Zorb's turn, um, but there is a structure that I called a meta-label. And it defines, describes this larger form. And, and a meta-label is a person or a group of people creating a common identity for some common purpose, some shared purpose, and then producing public releases that manifest their point of view. So a someone who starts a punk label, they give the punk label a name. The punk label exists to put out punk records from a certain place, and they express their purpose for existing by making releases. And this model of a group of people, uh, a purpose, and a set of releases is something that's been around for a long time. And uh, an example I, I love talking about is The Royal Society, which is the group started in England in the 17th century that literally inspired the Enlightenment and the scientific revolution, were a small group of people who came together to form a group called the Royal Society, whose purpose was to promote scientific thinking in English life, and who had public releases in the form of the very first scientific journals to try to encourage that point of view. And they have been doing that for 600 years, right? Or 500 years to make science something that is as understood as it is today and so this this model of group of people plus focus plus incremental releases reinforcing your point of view i've come to believe is one of the most powerful recipes for cultural influence for shaping how people see the world and that is really an answer to the creator economy where just as i had been sort of trapped in my own kingdom of too many projects in the creator economy, we, we're very individualized. We're chasing eyeballs. We're, we're desperate for dopamine hits. But yet, in this other world of a label, the value of your work is its existence, what context and catalog it's a part of. You know what, what purpose it serves. It's a different way of owning and relating to your work. And so, I, I still feel like I'm in a, I'm in this process of understanding this, and my understanding has been deepening over the past year by just talking to a lot of people who I think do this work well. And each of these conversations, my resolve and belief in this, in the power of this idea and the importance of the idea just keeps increasing.
0: Something that I really love about this concept is I feel like it kind of gets at two really core human desires and I would be curious if you agree with this, the first is a purpose. People want to feel like they're doing something in life. You know, like every hero's journey seems to be about finding yourself and finding your purpose. And then the other thing is finding a sense of belonging. And I feel like the way that you've positioned meta labels or described them as this set of a purpose, a group of people, and releases feels kind of like it gets at these very human desires in a way that nothing else that I've come across can quite encapsulate. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that struck me when you were talking about those three pieces.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, being in the Web3 world, I will often have people ask, "Are are you creating DAO tools? Is this is this another DAO tooling project?" And I say, "I think this is more like a DAO purposing project. Um, mm-hmm. It's inviting you and a group of other people to talk about and to define what common values you share, what it is that you want to exist to do." Right? There's there's so much great energy happening in Discords, but. How does that energy get expressed beyond those walls? I mean, it doesn't always have to be, but I think for many groups, maybe, maybe they do believe so strongly in what gathers them that the idea of expressing themselves in a way to encourage more people to adopt their point of view would probably make a lot of sense. Um, so I think it it really is a way of activating purpose, but but belonging absolutely is an, is another part of it. Um, for the past month, I've been interviewing different labels and asking them about how they work. Just today, I was editing an interview I did with the team behind versus XYZ. And there's so much that came out of that conversation for them about their, their releases being these collaborative experiences. And they're a group of people who often didn't feel like they belonged in a lot of other communities. And and here they found a place where they do and where a, a new member can come in and make a contribution immediately and feel valued. And there's there's clearly an emotional experience that's a part of it. Um, maybe the third human desire I, I think it also speaks to is the desire to be seen and to be seen as you wish to be seen. If I think about my how is my creative work represented on the Internet, in, in most cases, it's, it's represented with almost zero context. right? Like there's a, a video on YouTube of my ETH Denver talk that's going to appear in some algorithmic lists between other things. Um, You know, I have pieces on Medium, on Substack, on my personal website, different podcasts. Like my own creative output is something that I own in some way with my personal website, um, but not nearly to the degree to which I want to. And so sort of a core strategy of what we're building and, and how we're approaching what we do is this idea that context is queen, that the value of a work comes from the context it exists within. The value ascribed to a person comes from the context they exist within. Um, the internet in many ways is a great job of context. You know, all the horizontal rabbit holes of Wikipedia are a perfect example, but our own ability to define our own personal context or the context of our creative output as individuals or as groups is like kind of limited. And this is where you see like these brutal solutions, like people have a link tree in their IG account and like... The link tree of list of 20 links is supposed to be what generates meaning and understanding of who a person is, which of course is ludicrous. So I think that we are starving for context that allows us to be seen the way we wish to be seen. And I think that when you, as a creative person, put your work in a catalog, whether it's your own personal catalog or a catalog where you sit alongside other artists, that's where you get that context that creates meaning, that allows someone to feel seen. And so I think that's another part that the creator economy does a poor job of. And that my, my hope is that MetaLabel will do a better job of.
0: I really love the idea that the creator economy is a little bit lonely and that this notion of a label brings people together in a way that feels much more meaningful, but also like you can do a lot more. And what, what I'm very intrigued by is this question of what does it look like to live in a world of many labels and how do those things manifest, which I know is kind of like asking you to predict the future, but I'm very curious what you think this could become more broadly.
1: That's a great, that's a great question. Um, first just like the the first instinct that was on the tip of my tongue as you asked that was this is perhaps a world where less content is being produced. Mm. Um you know, do we all need to be sending out a newsletter every week? How much better would we be if we were part of a consortium of other people and we each sent out one newsletter a month but we all shared say subscribers so we had an economic arrangement that felt fair between us. I think that you would see the scales tilt more towards the personal well-being of the creator versus that being optimized for, versus the creator's placement in an algorithmic list being what's optimized for. So I I think it looks like a a more deliberate kind of creative process. Of you know, I, one of the things I think of when I had this moment of looking through my past work and thinking of it as a label, I I went through everything I'd done, and there's a lot of things I looked at. And I didn't want to have remembered in posterity because I didn't think they were very good anymore. Um, But there's certain things that met a a certain curatorial filter that I thought, oh, this, this was a release. This gets a catalog number. And so I also think in a world of labels being more understood that there's still a lot of experimentation, a lot of activity that's happening below the threshold of a release. But yet we're also having our moments, and maybe it's more like once every three months versus every week, where we're really trying to put our social weight behind an idea, where other people are helping us do that, where we're making things that feel like they matter versus something that you're just hoping someone catches a glimpse of. And I think that in the future, our Root For is, is not one where labels are elitist and exclusive. I think every label has to be curated in terms of what appears in it. But I want a world where there are so many labels and being a label is a democratic bottoms up process. Starting a label is is democratic and bottoms up that every creator, every person with a cultural point of view has a group that they can belong to if they choose to, right? That everyone can have a home team with which they can share resources. They can share social credibility. They can bounce ideas off of. And that the, this is like a a legible structure that can be funded, that can be profitable, that could be sustainable, and yeah, I I believe that's happening. I mean, there's like all kinds of commonly held wisdom about the internet that it's like all internet bus- businesses are unbundling or rebundling things, and you know, in a way, you could think of this as a as a rebundling. It's saying that the the experience of the last decade of each of us being isolated nodes on the internet, trying to like find our people. That's been exhilarating. There's been a lot of good that's come out of that. But like, are we really all going to be creator economy 20 years from now? Like, is On the Other Side podcast putting out episode 1,500, you know, in 2037? Probably not. Probably not. Probably we can only grind for so long. Like, I don't know how many times I've counted People going on hiatus, you know, six months after announcing their newsletter was about to ramp up its publishing schedule, so that they could justify what they were charging people. Um, and so, I think that a world where a meta label is a common paradigm for how people create is a world where the creative output moves a little bit slower, where there's more deliberation, there's more pairs of eyes on things, and that I, I, I think it's just a healthier experience. Um, So much of this I think is about the mental health experience of doing this work. My belief is that a lot of people have ended up where I ended up where I was doing something that I loved and I hated it. And you're just trapped there. Like, wait, what I've worked so hard to have the right to do do this. But now that I discover what it means to do this, now that I discover the the output it demands of me, like, does it have, you know, do I have to? And, and so I, I think that people are searching for an option and I think people are open to experiments and that Web3 creates tools and creates new digital realities where that becomes practical. And so I I, I do believe that, that that we're in the process of that happening.
0: Something that my brain goes to is this notion that the past few decades have really swung the pendulum in the direction of individualism. And I wonder if part of the label concept is moving back towards collectivism and realizing that we can't do this alone or that it's very tiring to do these things alone.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm curious if you think that's a framing that feels appropriate.
1: I... So, one of the books I was working on a year ago, and I'm I'm still working on, is about this idea. And I don't think of it as being going back to collectivism. I think of it as a new state that I call post individualism. Mm. And and I think someone like you, Chase, I think you are a post individual. And a post individual uh, is someone who defines their identity almost equally by what their own individual traits are. As well as which groups and ideologies they voluntarily subscribe to. Mm. So, the internet has let us all like shop for our personas and our ideologies. We choose which groups that we're going to be a part of. And when you choose to become a part of a group, really like you become them, You, you, you see the world through that group's eyes. Like, part of being a part of a group is to adopt their worldview. And to where many of us now walk around carrying multiple identities and personalities with us always. And it's hard for us to know sometimes who we're talking to. Are we talking to you, the person? Are we talking to you, the the Twitter identity? Are we talking to you as a member of this group that we know you care about? And these other identities, these group-derived identities, are just as important to us as our own, what we've thought of in the past, as our own core individual identity. And I, I connect this to things that the wonderful group Kahole wrote about back in 2013, 2014, um, that once upon a time, people were born into communities and had to find their individuality. Today, people are born individuals and have to find their communities. And so I think for people growing up now, they grew up in the heavily commercialized Western world, where, which is highly individualized. You are all a one-of-one one consumer. Everything is specially made for you. And then the, what the internet has allowed us to do is it's, has allowed us to see us really the way uh, algorithms see us. It allows us to see the things that we have in common, uh, the similar traits we hold. And, and I think those things are, are rising in importance, but not in such a way that people are giving up their individuality. It's like we accept that we're individuals, but now what? Like that only gets us so far. That just gets us an awkward cocktail party conversation. <laughs> so how do you go a step farther than that? And to me, that, that has resulted in a new experience of what it is to be a person, to where you are constantly living with multiple lenses, multiple identities, ready to be activated at any given moment. And they're meaningful, right? These are our, our digital avatars are just as meaningful to us as other parts of our identities. And so I, I I sort of see us that like, you know, I log on, therefore I am many. Like it, it, we're we're all carrying these different pieces in us, and it's just a true thing that technology has has manifested. And so something like a meta label to me is is trying to fill that space. Like okay, you're, we're going to have groups we're a part of. Well, can those groups be purposeful? Can those groups have an output? What do we want to fulfill? And I think increasingly. We're going to be fulfilling our ambitions, our creative desires, with other people, and not just like I'm going to go to Hollywood and make it. Right? These these single dreams of making it. Uh, I, I think those dreams are changing, and so I I, I believe that right now it it is a fundamentally different type of human being that is coming online, literally and figuratively, and that we have a, we have different sets of values, we have different desires, we have different ideas of what a good life looks like. And the world is is slowly turning on its axis, I think, to reflect that.
0: I really love that concept. It kind of reminds me of this idea that ultimately Web3 is really about freedom to opt into systems and opt out of them, Mm. where we have this ability to say, this system doesn't work for me. That could be the monetary system that you currently exist in, or that could be Bitcoin. And you can opt out of that and into something else. And there's an intentionality that exists with that where by having that freedom, you're also able to find the spaces that you align with most, it feels like, potentially. I'm also curious, do you think when you talk about the practical aspects of Web3 making this possible, is it ownership and the ability to have this digital allocation of resources that make this possible today when it comes to labels?
1: I think it's, maybe I would say versus ownership, maybe I would say membership, perhaps. Um, Mm -hmm. Membership and identity together. I mean, the the fact that every community is theoretically a chance for you to create a new identity, um, a new self. And if you, you know, if you read Pieces about people's alt accounts and what what that's done to them. There's a great Aaron Lewis piece from uh, several years ago in Ribbon Farm that was great about this. Um, you know, each of those alt accounts is like real to that person. Maybe it starts as just messing around, but eventually it's like they learn to think as you know went or whatever. Um, and and so I, I think the the identity aspect I just think is is big, and that the the diffuse nature of web three communities means that your identity can change frequently that that's practical and can happen but i think also the idea that i guess through holding tokens or or through your activity in a community that you can like claim your seat you can be a member or yeah you can be an owner you can have a role in this community and that these roles are made possible by effort not by credential you know, they're, they're, they're made possible by passion. They're made possible by hustle. Uh, that those things also just create a different relationship to where the communities we're a part of, we, we've really earned them. And, and that makes them feel even more meaningful and even more tied to our identity. And so I just think that there's the kind of the siloing of, of, the, of the spaces, um, the, the way the space embraces uh, anonymity and pseudonyms. I think all those things lend to people asking themselves deeper questions about who they want to be and that there are actual practical ways that you can change that, right? You can be Melissa who has a boring job uh, during the day and at night you can be, you know, crypto whatever and you're just like the most (laughs) DJ ever and you come alive, you know, you come alive in a different way and both are true. Melissa is true as well as, you know, you know, the, the crypto person, and and so I, that's that's like a hard thing to explain to our parents. You know, it's like a hard hard thing to put on a resume. You want to be careful where you share these things. Um, but it's real. The emotional experience is real, and and so I I just think that there's a there's a need there that's being answered that's not economic. It's not just about status. It's more to the things we were saying earlier: belonging, being seen, being recognized. Uh, you know, I I think that ironically that the obfuscation and the sort of the challenges of Web3 lend themselves to that.
0: When you were talking about Melissa, boring accountant by day, and I added the accountant part, that's that's editorializing. But in any case, um, I was thinking of the story of Cinderella and this idea of having almost two separate identities. And it occurred to me that This might be completely off, but in a good amount of those stories that were told, these these narratives, at the end of a story, multiple identities converge into one. Mm. And I kind of wonder if some of this is going to create this like forcing function for our brain to reimagine how we think about identity, because I feel like... We have this urge for it all to settle into one thing. Mm. And maybe that's not realistic or
1: even what's ideal. Mm. That's a great, that's a great point. I mean, it makes me wonder. I, I had this thought yesterday. I was like I forget what account on Twitter, but someone's alt I'm following that's great and has, you know, has lots of followers. And I thought, this person probably started this account just messing around. Now it's almost certainly bigger than their quote unquote real account. Like how badly does this person want to out themselves to say, Hey, it's me. It's actually me doing all this. Like the, 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 the obscurity, the anonymity gave me the freedom to like be a shit poster, but actually, you know, I want a little bit of that credit for myself. I think that's gotta be. That's gotta be attention someone is holding. Um, uh, maybe there's things like and their wills, you know, on the date of my death reveal all of these accounts <laughs> belong belong to me so I can get my proper cred. Um but I think that's I think that's interesting. Maybe the modern version of success is that those things don't have to converge. Maybe it's that they can stay separate. Maybe it's that we do contain multiple dreams and identities and values and to bring them all into one person is too confusing, and to separate them brings a sense of freedom and a sense of clarity. And you know, if you read about method acting or different creative techniques for distancing yourself from yourself, right, and what that does, these are all powerful tools. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a great that's a great observation.
0: Many people or actually not many people, but one person may align with or even be a part of many labels right that's That's kind of the
1: definitely core yeah i mean the in the in the world of a music label, they're asking you to sign an exclusive deal to where you will only like do things with them from that point forward in a world of metal label these are these are voluntary associations it's let me let's squat up together for this next project, or hey, why don't we collaborate on something? And there's a there's an arrangement created around that project, like here's how pay will work, or you own the rights to it, we're just gonna hype it for a little bit, you know, whatever those things are. Um, but that they become they just become opportunities to to collaborate, to put work out together, and then you can move on. And and I think for a number of people. I mean, it's already the case in Web three. It's like you're you're members of lots of different communities, and there's a lot of good that comes out of that. Like, as I think about Meta Label and like say other other communities that I think are doing similar things, you know, I don't think of them as competitors. I think of them as neighbors. And you know, I've always lived a life where I I like go in and out of neighbors' houses, and they go in and out of my house, and I, I like to be casual with my neighbors. You know, I I, I like to know each other well. And, you know, I'd love to have that, that spirit and um, how we are oriented. And, and I think that is, yeah, it's just not, it's, it's not zero sum. It is a, a collective pie that we grow in a lot of different ways. And all the models of interdependence that people like Matt Dryhurst and Holly Herndon have been advocating for for so long, they really resonate and they really do feel like part of the a path forward.
0: I'm going to ask you one of what I think is probably the hardest questions, but I have to know. When you were first talking about this idea of values and this notion that we've boiled so much down to a certain type of value, which is mostly monetary, how do we avoid doing the same thing in Web3, particularly around things like labels? Because it feels like that's our crutch right now. Like it's always, okay, what are you doing? Okay, that's cool, but how do you make money?
1: hmm Yeah. I had a moment being at, at ETH Denver and like eavesdropping on a group of VCs, complaining about how very prominent DAOs they're members of weren't like profit maximizing enough that mm. um, just made my skin crawl at the at that moment. I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be challenging because – you know, web three projects exist in a wider world. They exist in a highly highly financialized world, even more highly speculative and financialized than other spaces. It's like feels almost inevitable that those values are gonna arise. And the early days of web two were just as utopian as the early days of web three. And mm. and what happened is money happened. Money happened. And then just like the terms of everything changes. Um, so I think that's highly likely to occur. What I came to feel in my in my research was that the way I came to see changing how we thought of value was by changing how we thought of ourself, um, th- thinking about how we use the concept of self-interest. And I, I created a, a framework, a kind of a philosophy called bentoism, like a bento box, where it's a two-by-two two matrix that shows you four dimensions of self-interest. There's now me what I as an individual want to need right now. There's now us, what the people in my life who I care about want to need right now. There's future me, what the person I hope I become wants me to do. You know, my, my future me becomes real or not real based on the decisions I make in any given moment. And then there's future us. How do my decisions affect my kids or like everybody else's kids? And this map, these four dimensions of self-interest really came to feel to me like the real spectrum of what we should be caring about. Like the, You could very easily rationally make the argument that all of these things are are truly how we should define and think about our decisions. But it's it's hard. It's hard because it takes energy. It's hard because we live in a culture that has really defined the self as now me. What do I want right now? But, you know, this is a this is a dangerous point of view. A great example that shows the power of like bento thinking is to think about a smoker, a smoker asking their bento, uh, should I quit smoking? If they ask that now me voice, um, that now mo- me voice says, yeah, keep smoking. Like we don't want to go through the pains of quitting, that's going to suck. But every other dimension of your bento, the now us, future me, future us, they all say smoking is a terrible idea. Like what are you doing? Stop right now. And where we get stuck is, seeing that only that now me desire is real, right? And struggling to see those other spaces. So what I really came to feel is that if we want people to make different decisions or want values to be different, I believe the deepest path there is to challenge what we think of as the self and to push people to ask themselves, you know who when when you think of yourself, what do you really have in mind like what what does it mean to to make decisions according to what you want like who are who are you? what are all the dimensions of you um, and so I spent several years teaching people this model um, to thousands of people saw it have a lot of resonance with folks. but I came to feel like it's in those dimensions where you kind of change the the playing field of what you care about that value starts to look quite differently because it's hard to argue against. Just maximizing financial value in the short term, and it's like I could just use the money to give to charity or to do good things. When when we with Kickstarter said that we didn't want to sell the company or, or go public, for example, people would challenge us and say that's selfish. You should take all the money you can and then give it away to people. That's the more noble thing to do. But in our mind, that would be uh, exacerbating a system that we really struggled with and we had we had a hard time with. So. The, these forces are challenging. There's an inertia. There's a momentum that's hard to push back against. But I do feel like the values of the post-individual who is encouraged to see their decisions through multiple lenses all the time, lenses that are always changing, I think that person has a different sense of what is right and what is wrong. And that person still needs to put food on the table. That person still needs to pay their bills. Like None of that is is unimportant by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it it sits within a a matrix of values to be considered, rather than really the only one that's been considered, which has really been the kind of the modality of of Western society. I, I would say for the last fifty or sixty years, and and yeah, so I I, th- I think this just the way we are aligning ourselves and the way groups are becoming more meaningful in our lives. I think that drives a different view of value creation and whether that changes the systems that we're a part of, you know, that, that's, that's another ball of wax, but I do believe that um, the desires of the post-individual are something different than what we've had in the recent past.
0: I absolutely love that framing because it does almost feel like there's a world in which there's an opportunity to say, I'm going to align myself with people whose quadrants of that box look like mine and leverage the power of human coordination and connection and whatever it might be to, like, really live thoroughly into those values. And that feels really powerful.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could think of this now, like... Say you determine you need to make you know sixty thousand dollars a year to survive and have a comfortable life. Option one is you get a job somewhere, um, a white collar job that pays you that amount, and you spend forty to fifty hours a week doing that job, and you're satisfying that financial demand. Maybe path two, if you're like a web savvy person, say path two could be, you know, I become a contributor to six different projects that together piece together a a living. Uh That gets me to my number, my financial number I need to to survive, be yet the path of which is far different you know I'm, I'm I'm a member of different projects, I have a lot of different collaborators, a lot of different allegiances um, Both are paths to like sixty grand and satisfying your maslow's hierarchy of your basic needs, um, but the lived reality couldn't be more different between the two. Um, three years ago, any option other than like the just get a job seemed like, are you as, (laughs) is Chase okay? Do we need to talk to Chase? (laughs) And now it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I can like, I can be like a web three Uber driver. You know, (laughs) I I can hustle, I can hustle together some stuff and learn on the way and, you know, long-term how, how sustainable is that? We'll see. We'll see. But I think that there is a different set of options that, bring with them a very different set of values and choices and assumptions that to me, that that's the thing like post COVID that doesn't go back in the box is is the idea of what work is. I think, I think work has permanently changed as a result of COVID. Um, And that's where you get those kinds of choices of like, well, maybe I don't have to give up my entire identity and self to this one thing I don't believe in. Maybe, maybe there, maybe there is a path that's possible that's riskier is more challenging in many ways, but maybe in other ways is more rewarding.
0: I absolutely love that. I know we're about to wrap up, but before we do that, I have to ask you, have a segment at the end of the show, which is what is your favorite thing in your wallet? It could be an NFT, an ERC-20, anything, but what is your favorite thing in your wallet? (sighs)
1: I have a few things I really love. I, I love my channel founding member NFT from Holly and Matt supporting their work. I love, I have two pieces by my great friend, Raphael Rosendahl, who's an uh, amazing digital artist who's like top five selling NFT artists on Foundation last year. Um, I, I talked him into listing his work on Web3, but I'm very proud to be the owner of a couple of Raphael's pieces. And then probably number one is my meta label founding member NFT, which appeared in my wallet a week ago and I hope is one that ends up having a lot of value and, and meaning for me and and a lot more people.
0: I absolutely love that. Yancy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people learn more about MetaLabel and find you?
1: Yeah, metalabel.xyz is our URL. There we're going to be putting out new drops on a monthly basis. So our first drop was the concept itself expressed in words pixels and code and there'll be another drop happening later in march and in april and you can find me at uh, ystrickler.com or on twitter at at ystrickler y-s-t-r-i-c-k-l-e-r and chase can't thank you enough for having me on this has been great this has been so much fun thanks so much for coming on the show
0: If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcast I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.